This is serious, Bug. Of course it's serious. This is capital letters B-I-G, as in Galileo. Time to rethink geocentrism. I don't think I'm gonna sleep for a week. Hello. Hey. What's up? I was just preparing to record episode four of season two of Sense8. And what is that episode title? It's called Polyphony. Yes, it is. It's probably how it's pronounced. Uh, we're, yeah, uh, that's why I let you do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yes, uh, that is that episode title. And what does that word mean, Camden? <laughs> yeah, it's a musical term normally. Uh, we just looked it up. Uh, spoilers, everybody. Mm-hmm. But uh, it refers to just essentially a bunch of individual pieces that come together to harmonize with each other and and combine in a way that forms a greater whole, essentially. It's a simple way to explain it, mm-hmm. which is easily applicable to something like Sense8 or yeah. uh, Cloud Atlas. And I have heard the word used before in reference to that book and movie. So, obviously, it's a term that the Wachowskis in particular are familiar with. Yeah. Um, and is also relevant because they have taken the indulgent decision to <laughs> put <laughs> the author of Cloud Atlas into this episode of Sensei. Mm-hmm. It's so like they, they cherry-picked their favorite authors and was like, yes. we're going to do a scene where there's like a book reading or a, a discussion with an author at a, at a local bookstore. And, oh, oh gosh, who can we choose? Let's go uh, with David Mitchell and the other one is... Yeah, Alexander Hemon is yeah. what it, his name is. I don't know him. But uh, they even have Amanita say two of our favorite authors, or maybe it's Nomi that says that. Yeah. But the point is, it's pretty... It's pretty ridiculous, yes. <laughs> but it's, cute. it's fun, and um, David Mitchell actually helped work on Sense8 from season two on, so it's mm-hmm. kind of sweet that they put him in there yeah. to talk a little bit about things that are relevant to the show and the themes and everything. Mm-hmm. But I believe the actual person who uses the word polyphony is, um, was it Jonas? I think so. I think it was Jonas, yes. So this is a term that is... Widespread use across this episode, apparently. Yeah. But in particular, useful because this is another episode where it really is more everyone doing something again, unlike right. the last one, which was kind of heavily focused on one or two of them. Mm-hmm. So, who do you want to start with? Um, we can start with Leto if that you want, because he's the most exposition yes. heavy one. It's I an think. unusual episode for Leto, really. It is really. It's like his first. Um, I know we've talked about this before, but usually Leto's, like, individual storylines are pretty insular. They're dealing with, like, um, his personal relationships and his career. Um, and that is not to say that, you know, his problems aren't wide-reaching, but he's usually not directly involved with, like, the BPO plot stuff. He's the most disconnected from it. Yes. Um, and so this is a really interesting episode, because in this one, he's kind of in the center of it in terms of trying to gather more information. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was revealed in the, I think the last episode that 
um, Angelica left, uh, she went to Chicago, and that's how she met up with BPO to start doing research with Whispers, but she left because one of the first clusters that she birthed, um, they were kind of disappearing, and one in particular, the only one that Jonas met, Raul, is one of them, and mm-hmm. so I, she tried to follow him, I think, to Chicago, and as mentioned in the last episode, uh, Lido has a little bit of a past yes, with Raul. a connection. A connection, yes. Uh, and so we kind of dive into that storyline where um, Lido is kind of retracing his steps. He goes and he meets with uh, Raul's father, who is a delight, <laughs> I might add. And it's a, a flashback of um, Raul's a very intense man. He's very uh, intuitive. And when he first uh, interviewed Lido, when Lido was a young, you know, up-and-coming actor with some uh, different fashion tastes, <laughs> yes, yes, he's wearing yeah. some f- uh, flannel, I think, and And it's tucked jeans. in, and it's yes. very cute. And I, I like it because it's a it's a good job with the costume design to signify, like, he's younger. Like, they've always done a nice job of, mm-hmm. obviously, in different points in their life, they'll either, like, change their hairstyle or He's a good something. job acting younger, too. Yes. He just gives off the vibe of movie star normally yeah and he doesn't really in, in the flashback yeah you know? but it's uh it's very obvious that there's an attraction there and Raul's like yeah we're gonna do this and Lido's like oh you know as an actor I'm open to new experiences important. but I'm not gay yes. yeah it's like <laughs> it's important that you know I'm not gay yeah and it's like yeah it's already been there so uh, so it I, I don't think they say this it seems like maybe possibly mm-hmm. Lido has never done this before yeah uh, it could be that he just always says that or something. Yeah. He's in a big cycle of denial. Yeah. But I think maybe you're supposed to think that he hasn't. Yeah. Um, but it's a, it's an intense moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's really funny because uh, Raul's dad, who he is talking to in the present, uh, kind of calls him out on this. He's like, oh, you and my son were lovers? And he's like, well, uh, it's compli- yes, 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 we were. He's <laughs> like, Why? Why do you why do you think that like intuition? He's like, no, you're just you're my son's type. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's um, funny. I believe there's another scene in a later episode where you actually see him interview him. I think. Yeah. And so this scene must be after that because it's like he called him up again or yeah. something afterwards. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure. I don't really. Remember I think that's that. right. Yeah. No, I believe. Yeah, I, I think I... there's a scene where they talk, but in this one, when he comes in. He's like, "Why did you call me here?" It's like obviously they've already met before. Right. And he's like, "Let me strum my guitar and yeah. seduce you." He's sort of like, you know, when I met you before, mm. uh, I felt like I had to see you again. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that's pretty a, um, much the only flashback portion yeah. of it, right? Yeah. I just wanted to say there's a great bit where. Uh, when he's seducing Leto, mm-hmm. he, he looks off to the side and says something like, I know, but I couldn't resist. Yeah. He's clearly talking to one of the other sensates. Yeah. Um, that's a nice touch. Yeah. <laughs> a nice detail. Yeah. That's really funny. This this ties into the interesting idea that relates to, like, Sarah Patrell, mm-hmm. that even if you are not a born sensate yet, mm-hmm. you can c- kind of connect to an other actual full sensates yes. can apparently sort of notice you or yeah. make some sort of connection to you mm-hmm. because that's probably part of what is drawing uh Raul Toledo yeah I yeah I think it's interesting because it's something that's also like explored on a like kind of the other end of the spectrum with um Leela with Wolfgang it's like you have your clusters and there's a set rule of what you can do in your cluster and it's usually more expansive than what you can do outside of it but you can interact with other clusters um, 
once you know before you're born as a sensei and even mm. afterwards um and it's interesting because they kind of especially this season keep reinforcing the idea that it's genetics because in the last episode when they're all pestering jonas about mm-hmm. sensei births and stuff when he's talking about his his uh cluster father nomi asks can anybody is anybody do they have potential to be a sensei can yeah. I, can anyone be a sensei and his response is like no there's like certain genetic markers that are encoded mm-hmm. it's encoded in your genetics um so it is interesting that even though that's like not quote-unquote activated yet yeah. like there's still something there you know what i mean so there must be like more uh more people who have this genetic code yes. than are actually become senseis though because of course as jonas says there are more and more of us uh, yeah. because of exponential growth you know because they have eight at the time mm-hmm. um and obviously this means that like there's a large group of untapped people and more and more of them are becoming sensates yeah. i think it's kind of like the buffy the vampire slayer thing it is it where is. it's like you can all like there's a potential to be a slayer quite a lot like that yes <laughs> um let's just throw that in the mix but yeah so he you kind of get this flashback of you know him with raul and then he's talking leto is talking to raul's father because um raul was a, a journalist and he disappeared in chicago when he went to go and try and break the story and Raul told his dad, like, this is going to be, like, the story of my career, but not even that. It's going to be, like, the story of the decade. Like, whatever the story is, it's going to be blown wide open by me, and I have to I have to go to Chicago mm-hmm. to do it. And so when he does disappear, uh, his dad said, like, oh, yeah, the police blamed it. Like, he was got involved with drugs or something. They searched the house, but I knew, like, obviously that story wasn't correct. And so he um, shows Leto Raul's old room, he hasn't touched it there's a bunch of photographs of like angelica the cabin i think other people in the cluster and um you know it kind of gets the sensates excited because like wow this this is like a whole other piece to the puzzle that we hadn't seen before because mainly their 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 main sources of contact have have been like angelica kind of through some memory stuff and then jonas Mm -hmm. and so to be like oh there's like a obviously there's a whole other cluster involved but one of them was actually investigating something probably regarding bpo the way we are is it's kind of exciting to be like oh there's some there's a trail here there's breadcrumbs that also we can... like concrete images yeah of things we've seen in weird visions yeah it's kind of exciting to be like uh we're kind of on the right track here mm-hmm. but again that emphasis of like this is really dangerous i mean this guy was like a professional reporter and our journalist and he went missing you know and um so it's a really sweet moment where uh, there's a poster of Leto in the room, and behind it is like his a, debut movie. Is a, yeah, what was it called again? I don't forget the name, but it says it the debut of Leto. Yeah, Leto Rodriguez. Yes. Um, but it's a sweet moment because like uh, Raul's dad is like behind the poster is this uh, it's this VHS tape I believe, mm-hmm. and he's like, see, you know, my my son trusted you with his secrets, and you're like, oh, that's kind of a nice <laughs> touch because uh, he even mentions like. Uh, you know, Lita's an actor. Like, why is he going around investigating this stuff? And and not that he gets shortchanged because of his profession, but, you know, he kind of does. He's not always taken seriously. So it's fun to give him kind of a more serious storyline where he's yeah. like, I want to know what happened to this guy. Well, there's a nice um, bit there that relates to others, another scene mm. um, earlier where Lita uh, is told that his movies Maybe are cheesy. cheesy. And uh, so he 
He says that to uh, Raul's dad, like, oh, he thought my movies were cheesy. He's, he's like, like, no, no, no you underestimate yourself. He's like, don't sell yourself short, <laughs> you know? Um, and so they watch the VHS tape, and uh, later's like, have you already seen this? He's like, yeah, but I, I have no idea what it means. And so they watch it, and it's creepy as fuck. Similar to scenes we saw in the opening of the yeah. uh, episode two, I guess, of season two. Mm-hmm. Um, but more clear on this dreamy yeah so uh in this one it is important to note that there are four characters in it mm-hmm. so you have um the professor from chicago yeah. who nomi and amanita interviewed who isn't wearing glasses who isn't wearing glasses so it's very hard to recognize <laughs> uh whispers is obviously of in course it. looking uh, young looking young you know? with that hair that hair dye um <laughs> and then we also have todd who, as we mentioned in the last episode, he was part of her, uh, the cluster she first gave birth to, yeah. and he was part of Raul's cluster. Um, and then you see this woman. It's really brief. She's setting up the camera. And I, we've only seen the season, like, maybe once or twice through. Mm-hmm. So do not quote me on this until we actually hit the episode. But I'm pretty sure she's the one that Riley meets in Chicago later down the line. That makes sense. I actually yeah. didn't even see her at this time. Like, she's really, really brief. It's, like, literally mm-hmm. right when they're turning on the VHS tape and, like, Raul's dad's like, yeah, I don't know what this means. But there's four people in it, so... And presumably Raul is, is filming one, I think. Uh, I don't know if he got the tape from the lady yeah, setting up sure. the camera or not, because she is still based in Chicago. That was my interpretation, but... Um, yeah, so I don't know. But anyway, you've got a mix of people in there, and it's really interesting because obviously the professor lied about knowing Matheson, and even, like, Raul's father met up with the professor and was yeah. like, have you ever met my son? And he was just, like, lied straight to my face. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a really creepy, like, Stranger Things Cerebro Professor X experiment <laughs> that they do where Todd is... Um, I don't know if he's been, like, lobotomized or not yet. He's not completely awake. But uh, they're doing tests, and it's essentially a test. It's the origins of, like, the zombie factory mm-hmm. that they have now established under Whispers with, like, Niles Bulger. And this lady, the, the artist, I believe, it's him. It's his first time tapping into someone else's mind um, by writing out his name through that person. And it's very creepy. And, like, Matheson is, like, super excited about his, you know, break in science. And I did like, it. Jesus, this is not great. Um and so it just essentially establishes that Raul was investigating it. Something happened to him. And, um, you know, this is kind of like the origins of the horror that is Whispers and BPO kind of starting mm-hmm. to experiment on people. Uh, but it's also a really another kind of deep dive into like the Jonas and Angelica side of the story because, yeah. you know, she fled to Chicago, I think, trying to save Raul. And um, we get a shot of, you know, him with this scar on his forehead calling his dad one last time. It's a very traumatizing shot. It's a super traumatizing shot. I know they're going to show this shot a lot, actually, in my memory. Yeah, so it's it's him making a call to his dad and not being able to, he doesn't speak to him, but his mm. dad knows that it's him on the other end of the line. And he just says, like, I love you. And, the like, the phone hangs up. And it's just really sad. And it's kind of eerily similar to the previous phone conversation that Will had with Joey Pants. It's like your son is kind of swept up in this thing mm-hmm. that you don't understand, but you love him and you trust him. But he can't, he, he can't, com- literally can't communicate to you yeah. um, about it. 
and it's really tragic and sad. Um, and so with all that, you know, exposition, uh, Leto is kind of sent on his way. Uh, so yeah, that was that's pretty much his storyline. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does a nice job of, you know, kind of directly tying him into the BPO storyline, but it yeah. also does a really go- good job of setting up, you know, essentially the, the end of the episode with Jonas and Angelica and kind of like the fallout there. And then it leads up to, you know, the very end with Jonas going into surgery. Um, so, you know, that that's forehead scar is kind of like a big indicator of, you know, things gone horribly awry for people. So whenever mm-hmm. you see it, you're just like, oh, yeah, BPO definitely got a hold of them. So, who else do you want to talk about? Who else? Uh, we could talk about Kafias. Yeah. Uh, who is Making sort moves. of... Making moves. Yeah, yeah, Kafias. Yeah, so in this one, um, there's kind of a three-way montage between, like, Kafias, Kala, and Nomi. Yeah. Um, so, they're all kind of in a, a precarious situation where um, Kafias is going to the water truck. Uh, trying to get clean water and it's a problem because um, you know water prices have spiked so much that people can't even afford it um, and so and there's going to be sorry I think was there a scene last episode where coffee has talked to someone yeah I he think talks we to his friend that. Ken he goes to try and buy water yeah. off of him and uh, Ken is just like the price is up the price is up and then he runs into Ken again and the guy's like it's up again you, it's up again <laughs> like literally nobody can afford this now yeah um, and so there's a water riot that he's kind of intercut with um, a temple riot that and, um, happens with Kala. When he sees the riot, uh, the, what's her name, the reporter, yeah, is with him. Yes. Because uh, she came to interview him again. Because yeah. uh, the video of the previous interview got apparently a million views yeah, on YouTube. Mm-hmm. So uh, she's with him and they're filming while this happens. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so th- which is important because it yeah. kind of bleeds into the next part of his story. Um, so he's part of that intercutting between like uh, Kala, Temple Riot, and then Nomi freaking out about Amanita kind of mm-hmm. on the run from Agent Bendix. So um, there's, I think, the general vibe of uh, the anxiety of all of it. Yes. To contributes to basically making all of them feel more anxious than they would be. If it was just that situation, kind of like um, the Christmas special where Kala is much more upset at Rajan than she would be just with her own thing because everyone else is in her head basically at the same time. Agreed. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so that water riot footage, uh, it ends peacefully because he kind of talks the guy down. Saves a child. Yeah, and he, he does, you know, the whole thing of like, you know water is a right versus the guy saying it's a commodity and it's like well, mm-hmm. that's not true um and so he gets to go and do an interview and this is another case of using an actual live person so kind of yes. like with david mitchell and alexander um we get kobe kiana who is also an actual reporter um and he does an interview with her and they talk about you know like his story with his van, grassroots activism, uh, and they talk about how his dad was killed in one of the riots in the 90s because he was part of like mm-hmm. a, a union activist group. And um, he does a really nice speech talking about like leaders 
and how they become politicians. Yeah, this is a good speech. Yeah, he, he's saying, like, you know, if I... He's like, I, I don't pretend to know, like, the, the ins and outs of the world, but I'm just a bus driver. But I would imagine, you know, if I didn't take people where they needed to go on my bus, I shouldn't mm-hmm. be a bus driver anymore. And he's like, we expect our leaders to take us where we want to go. And when they stop doing that, I think they become something else. I think they become politicians. Yeah. And it's a really good, solid beat, and it's, a, it's kind of a nice setup of... Um, you know, he's kind of going down this path and he doesn't even realize yeah. it yet. Like, he's very good at speaking. He's, um, you know, kind of inspiring the masses, obviously, with, like, his viral video. And then, you know, you can tell it's really sweet. He's really nervous when he's doing this news interview. Yeah. But he's just so sincere and almost, you know, earnest and honest. And, and uh, he's, he, despite what he says about, you know, oh, I'm just, you know, a... a a bus driver I don't know much about the world it's like yeah but you clearly do because you know you're able to convey how you feel about a, a political situation mm-hmm. uh, very succinctly and in a way that is inspiring yeah with a good analogy he speaks yes. very plainly I think you get that sense that he's so overwhelmed yeah. uh, by this environment mm-hmm. and sort of like the way everything's dressed up you know like you know the Mr. Uh, Onyango like tell us about your high flute and political thoughts and he's yeah. sort of like i don't know these are just my thoughts from my life yeah as just a guy yes people in sense8 and other wachowski productions yeah they love to pontificate about yes. these sorts of things and i think this is a very nice job of um streamlining this sort of philosophical leaders politicians ideas mm-hmm. into how like a regular more down-to-earth person would say it basically yeah exactly it's a big it goes off well you Mm -hmm. can tell like everybody in the newsroom is impressed with this interview yeah and like i said it's something that it's like he doesn't even realize that he's kind of going down this path um and they uh, this path of like you know elections and politics and it is kind of sprinkled throughout the episode because like the reason why the water prices have spiked is because it's election yeah. And apparently that is some sort of bargaining chip that happens. And um, they also mention a Mr. Mandiba yeah. is kind of like he is the political leader. And uh, he's been there for three terms. Apparently. Yeah. And it's just one of those things where they're, they're just kind of setting it up. And it's like the audience and uh, Zakia can see it like a mile away being like, Kafias, I feel like you should go into politics and try and create mm-hmm. some more positive changes because you've clearly done it successfully, if not accidentally on a local level, but you're so, this is something that seems to come so naturally to you and you are inherently passionate about it mm-hmm. without realizing it, like maybe apply it to something that's a little bit more um, large scale. So yeah, that's something to keep in mind, but he pretty much does the interview and it goes really well. Um, and that's his storyline. Yeah. And uh, who do we want to do next? Talk about Kala. Okay, yeah. So she is uh, having to adjust to some new changes in her life. Mm-hmm. Um, she goes to the temple with Rajan's bomb, and it's the first time she's gone back since uh, her father-in-law's attack. Which isn't actually true, I don't think, but uh, she doesn't say yes to yeah. that question. She she goes back, um, like the penultimate episode or something. Yeah, and then Will cuts one. in for her. Yeah. yeah. But uh, perhaps she hasn't uh, been back since then. Yeah. Well, somebody asks her, actually. Yeah, but I'm, she doesn't respond. Yeah. It's like, this is the first time you've been back. It's mm-hmm. like, you know. And uh, she keeps... <laughs> 
So she's like, this is different. There's like security and yeah. you know, she has bodyguards and stuff with her mother-in-law. And there's a big riot uh, because they have, I think, enforced some more security um, after the attack. And there are some believers who are not pleased with this. And it's a very aggressive us or them mentality mm-hmm. because they're feeling threatened that, you know, their religious beliefs and their, their rights to the temple and, and the laws of, you know, they only answer to one one law and it is not a political law. And so it's kind of... Yeah. We don't really know the details of what has gone on, but, uh, you know, apparently Rajan's dad, it seems, yes. has passed, managed to pass some sort of law. Yeah, it's and like it, they call it an anti. Oh, I can't say it. <laughs> Idolatry, I guess. Yes. That's how you'd say it. Uh, law. Uh, so something about not being able to. Uh, well, maybe it has something to do with what they said in season one to Kala. You know, yeah. about not being able to use certain foods. Not is, being able to practice your beliefs in the yeah, way you want. Certain to. rituals, like yeah. you can believe it, but they're they're banning some sort of actions that people are doing yeah we don't really know what exactly yeah they don't go too into too much detail but the point is is like there are some very angry people about it and it turns into a riot and i mean call's safety is in danger and this is you know further exemplified by the fact that she all of a sudden has new security in her new place with rajan and she's she just you know comes upstairs and she's like rajan why do we have new security why do i have this man with a machine gun like following me around saying that i need protection and it's revealed by rajan that they um since his dad is now starting to become more political um and it has plans to run for an elected seat um they, they're getting more death threats. Mm-hmm. Like, Rajan got one. It was, like, an incendiary device. And he immediately, <laughs> this is not pun intended, tries to defuse the situation with Kala by being like, oh, it's not a big idea. It's so, like, it's so laughable, like, how bad it was, how poorly constructed this bomb was. Yeah, he's and always sh- trying to shield her. Yeah, which is, I, I think, yeah. it comes from a good place, but the fact that he's yeah. hiding this from her is something that kind of trickles into season two where like yeah. oh, Rajan's not as honest and forthcoming as you would assume him to be based off of his previous actions you know s- some of times it's a good thing but in some of these season two things it's it's something he probably should be yeah talking to her about I mean like earlier when he um you know the police officers interrogate her or something yeah. like that's a nice protective moment yes for Rajan but these <laughs> larger conspiracies you oh, know, oh a bomb I'm sorry yeah. I didn't tell you about the bomb dear yeah um, oh, I forget. This is also where she <laughs> got really excited by this. Um, <laughs> Kala goes to the gala. So yes, ooh. she does. Um, sorry, I thought it was really funny. <laughs> well, um, we meet we meet Rajan's uh, buddy. Well, I don't actually. Okay, yeah. that's his name. Yeah. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, by the way. I know how to spell it, but I don't. I don't think well, I'm pronouncing fine. it right. Um, he yeah, they're they're going to like kind of this like museum art event. And she is kind of lost in thought, thinking about Wolfgang. Uh, she meets this guy who is friends with Rajan. He didn't. Mm. He wasn't able to attend the wedding because he was busy in Seoul. And like whenever somebody mentions like another city where another sensate is at, <laughs> I'm always like, it's BPO, which it is not necessarily. Basically, all we know about him in this episode is he's a like mysterious. charming, but in a kind of a weird, yeah, oh, too, too charming way. Yeah. What's the word? You know, he's sleazy. smarmy or something. Yeah, he's sleazy. Yeah. Not overtly so, but there's no. something off about him. Um, and he meets Kala, and he's 
be like, oh, hi, nice to meet you. Sorry, I didn't attend your wedding. Like, Rajan's told me so much about you. And Rajan swoops in and was like, hi, blah, 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 let's talk about business. And the guy's like, I'm just going to back away from the situation. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And so Kala kind of needs to take a moment to collect herself because I think she is, you know, just kind of overwhelmed by the events that have been going on. So she retreats to she the retreats source to the bathroom. of comfort. Yes, a source of comfort, the bathroom, and Wolfgang, because that is literally almost always where they meet, is so Call the calls attention to it this yeah. time. And she's like, a bathroom again? <laughs> um, and it, it's a sweet moment where, uh, you know, she's <laughs> kind of naively so, being like, why can't it be back to the way things were, you yeah. know, when I could just talk to you about whatever and now we, we don't really do that anymore and he's yeah. just like well because you I want you to be happy and you're that's you know implied that that's not going to happen if mm-hmm. you're with me and Wolfgang then she's, is yeah, also distracted a little bit because he opens up the stall <laughs> and I just like it's almost like I hiss every time I was like oh it's Leela Leela Anyway, uh, yeah, it's Leela, and she's in the bathroom stall, and she's like, hey, you want to play? And then she's like, oh, wait, you have you have somebody, is somebody there? Because it's clear that he's distracted, because mm-hmm. Paula's still talking to him. And it's so, it's just like this kind of tension and juxtaposition between, like, Paula and Leela, because they're on two different ends of the spectrum, mm-hmm. where Leela's like, I'm very flirty and don't want anything serious and calls like I'm trying to have a serious discussion with you because I'm very conflicted yeah. um, like Kala is so indecisive and Leela is definitely a person who takes what she wants with no consequence um, so it's a little uh, it's a fun little scene mm-hmm. where you're just like you're interrupting the moment Leela <laughs> Leela is interrupting a moment and it's annoying anyway it's fine whatever um but yeah, so they're they're trying to have a discussion, and it, you know they can't really have one because Lila's like, let's just play, and uh, yeah, Wolfgang's just kind of hanging out at clubs. He doesn't really do much in this one, does he? No. Yeah. It's mainly just Kala trying to have a conversation with him. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's our well, story. Wolfgang, like, it's not the last one. Does he tells the rest of the group? Yeah, he does it at them. the very beginning. Yeah. He talks about her being like hey, I've met another one who's like us. And there's, like, this weird thing that Nomi says at the beginning. She's like, oh, she sounded like she's been, like, around for a while for some reason. And she's like, which means her cluster's been able to stay away from BPO. And they're like, or the opposite. Mm -hmm. They're working for BPO. And so after his little, you know, kind of failed interaction with Kala in the bathroom, he kind of, like, tags along with Leela for a little bit and starts asking her questions. And it's, he just straight up asks, like, how do you stay away from BPO? And she's like, you don't. He's like, so you're working for them? And it's... Like collaborating with Collaborating. Yeah. It's implied that they kind of have a... Not necessarily a truce, a but like a deal going yeah. on. Um, and she is also clearly stalking Mr. Turtleman uh, from the Christmas special. Yes. Volka. Volka. Mr. Turtleman. Yeah. So she is working for Sebastian... Uh, who's the king of the north? And then Volkner is another one. The king of the not north. Not north. One the of the king others. of the turtles, as mm. we shall call him. And um, it, it, I think it's pretty clear with like her characterization. Like, yeah, she's working for these guys, but she's kind of a, a free a, agent. Yeah, a free agent, a wily character, mm-hmm. and uh, definitely a self-serving, ambitious character. Where um, she is 
probably very good at manipulating people and to going for exactly what she wants. Mm-hmm. And that's just becoming more and more apparent with her interactions with Wolfgang. So, something to keep in mind. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that is that. That's, that's them. Yeah. There's uh, Nomi, who was also involved in the group montage, which is why I'm going to her. Yes. Yeah, she's in the beginning. Uh, she has to break the news to Bug. Yes. About being a sensate. Finally, you know, after what, three episodes I of hacking? Know. Yeah, and she's been with them for <laughs> months. She's going a little bit stir-crazy on the boat, as evidenced by her kind of freaking out about Amanita on the run from Bendix after the little book club group yeah. discussion, which is, you know, pretty fair because... Um, they've kind of kept a low profile from him after the first episode, the Christmas special. Yeah. But it's as Amanita puts it, she's like, oh, I think it's pretty obvious that he knows we're not at the woman's shelter anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, oh, he's back on our, our trail again. And uh, so they're kind of dealing with that side of things. And Nomi's feeling a little cooped up and left out because she can't, you know, go to those beautiful David Mitchell talks mm-hmm. that she wants to. And, um, you know chiming in hacking when she can and helping out with things but all in the background of that is bug being like hey buddy i know you're you talk to yourself a lot maybe we should talk about whatever has been happening yeah he's like you can trust me and so um you don't actually see the scene where she tells them it's kind of like the lead up to and the the after uh reaction which is really funny mind is blown his mind is blown, and they're like, "Bug, this is serious." He's like, "Oh my god, I'm not gonna sleep for a week." And, <laughs> and he just falls down the stairs. Stumbles down the stairs, and it's one of those things where it's like, it's kind of a funny moment, but you do get this sense of dread where Amanita and Nomi are just like, "Was that a good idea? Was that a good idea?" Like, obviously, we trust Bug. They but have like, not yet learned how trustworthy Bug that's is. That's right. Steel trap. He even mimes locking the key and throwing it away, guys. And if that isn't like a sincere, you know, upfront honesty. <laughs> sign of of trust and loyalty i don't know what is so uh yeah it's her pretty much being like we got to figure out a way to you know kind of get off the boat branch out a little bit Mm -hmm. because i'm losing it um and that is just going to be even harder to do now with agent bendix kind of back on their trail so i was trying to remember what they actually talk about at the uh author hangout oh yeah it was kind of I don't know. There aren't that many. I mean, that happy many endings. Yeah, they do talk a little bit about happy endings, mm-hmm. which is interesting because Nomi says she doesn't know if she believes in them, and I think Sensei definitely does believe in them. So yes. <laughs> that's Nomi's, uh, some thematic idea right there. Yeah, I'd say Nomi's a little put out in this episode, and yes. rightfully so. You know, her life is uh, much more exciting than she anticipated, <laughs> and yet she is kind of has been enclosed in this small space and can't participate. Yeah. You know, out there in the world, like she is used to and would like to. She's very stressed uh, during this montage sequence, which is kind of funny because it leads to inner cutting where half the time, or two-thirds of the time, you get to see, like, different sensates, you know, scared in the middle of these riots and uh, mm-hmm. with Kafias and Kala. And then the other half is, like, people just in Nomi's room. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, no, what am I going to do? Yeah. Which obviously is also stressful, but doesn't really look quite as um, Dramatic. worrying. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that's what's going on with her. That's a, I was just going to say before, that's an interesting little sensei moment montage anyway, mm. because I think it's not quite as effective as some others. Yeah. Um, partially because it's just a little unclear what's happening. Um, yeah. Is, there's a sense of anxiety being created. Uh, that's effective. Mm. But like in Coffee's 
for example, you can't really um, hear what's happening. Yeah. So you just sort of see him pick up this child, and then he gives the water guy sort of a glare. Yeah. And you can definitely get what's going on, especially once he has his interview later and they talk about it. Yeah. But that's that's kind of vague, and then all the caller really does is she's worried, and she's like, I think we should go, maybe. Yeah. And Nomi is worried, and all the actual action really is, is on this chase with Amanita. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the part that, uh, that she, you know, she gets away fine anyway. Yeah. So it can feel a little like maybe they're trying to liven this episode up a little bit, sort mm-hmm. of give it some more flair. I think there's more and more of this in season two anyway. Mm. Like that some people said there were so many montages, you know. They were like, I don't know why there are all these montages. And I think they're just really leaning into the idea that the show is about trying to create a mood based Mm -hmm. on however they're feeling. And this one is just a little more vague. Yes. As a piece to watch, of course, it looks very nice and it's very effective. But when you get to the end of it, you might feel a little bit like not much has changed. Yeah, like thematically. Like... Uh, we didn't really go from one place to another place so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so that's that's just something. Does Nomi do anything else? I don't think so. No. I think there are three sensates left. Yes. I'm not sure who they are, but I think one of them is Sun. Yeah. We've got Sun, Will, and Riley. I think you would love to talk about Sun. I would love to talk about Sun. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, guys, this is the episode... <laughs> I'm trying to be really cool about this, but I'm not. This is the episode where we are finally, finally introduced. Detective Moon is his name. We call him Hot Detective (laughs) in this household. Hot Detective has made his appearance. That is his official... His official... Sensate fan base name. He is Hot Detective. Um, Which is hilarious because, okay, his name is Detective Moon. He's chasing after Sun, because that's adorable. But also, I didn't realize this. His partner's name is June. June and Moon, after Sun. So cute. That's pretty good. <laughs> I love it. Anyway, yeah, so um, Hot Detective is... Which, by the way, like, yeah, his name's Detective Moon, but on this podcast, <laughs> that is how I'm ever, like, only ever going to refer to him as. So, just letting you know. So he, he knocks on the door. He knocks on the door of Mrs. Cho. We got her name. She is the friend of um, Ming Jun, who is the old lady, inmate, mm-hmm. roommate of Sun. Got her name, too, this episode. Be proud. There you go. Um, she's the one that is harboring them and was telling them the story about, you know, how she also went to prison and yeah. kind of paid for her husband's issues with gambling debts. Um, she's been, you know, taking care of them. And um, the sun gets to have a really nice moment the next morning where she finally gets to go out into the sun. It's a nice montage. And um, and then, you know, Detective Moon comes knocking on that door and, and uh, Mrs. Cho has a fun little interaction with him where uh, she's doing this sweet, innocent old lady act and he's just like, ma'am, the uniforms have been in the trash. Like, we, we, we know. Come on now. And uh, she asks for a warrant. And he's just like, I, you know, you're, you guys might be harboring a fugitive. Like, I don't want to send you back to prison. Mm-hmm. He seems very reasonable. He's like, I, I understand the situation. Um, please let me in. So she lets him in. 
sun escapes. She goes up to the rooftop. He's chasing after her. There's a really cool shot where they're both running up the stairs on a different floor mm. level at the same time. It's to create symmetry between the two mm, because the they are more alike. Yes. Mm. Mm. Anyway, so uh, they go up to the rooftop. He tries to arrest her. Uh, they do some cool little fight sequences with each other. And she looks familiar. Yeah, and it's intercut with her doing, uh, going back to that national competition that she mentioned, or wanting to go to national, so she won this tournament to impress her dad, which was something she referred to in the Christmas special. Okay, that time she banged a dude in a locker room. And uh, it's the same tournament. How do we know that? Because it mentions it later. Because oh. you remember the very first time I watched this with you, I was freaking out because I was like, oh my god, is it the dude from the locker room? And uh-huh. I was like convinced. And you're like, no, Vicky, it's not. It's not. I was like, but it could be. But it's not. But it is a guy who uh, fought her during At the w- same. around yeah. the same time. Yeah. And so he was like, oh my god, it is you. And then she, like a badass, just like knocks him out with a punch. Yeah. So um, It is interesting that uh, they used two similar ideas of mm. people. Stories about people she had fought in the past. Yes. It makes me wonder if maybe they did plan for it to be the same person, but then they couldn't get the same actor or something. Mm -hmm. So they still used the idea, but they just made it a different person (laughs) in the same situation. It's hard to say. I think it kind of works better that it isn't the same guy in hindsight, because you're like, that's a little too coincidental, because the only thing you know about her life is like, you know her relationship with her mom and then fighting in this tournament and to be like is everybody in your life connected to these you know two things but also works better that he only fought her yeah um because otherwise it just works better with their current like yeah. relationship in the rest of the show yeah who such a fan anyway yeah. um, she would probably remember him more easily yes I unless would. she does this a lot which yeah. i don't th- i don't think that's yeah i don't yeah. think that's son's way but we don't know um but yeah so she punches him out and then uh, she has a really kind of great heart-to-heart with um, with Mingjun because they come back down mm-hmm. from the apartment and they're like, okay, so everybody's passed out. We got to go. And Mingjun's like, I'm not, I'm staying put. I'd only sell you down. Kind of the same thing, mm-hmm. kind of like, hey, I'm an old lady. What, what more can they do to me? I'm in there for life anyway. What are they going to do? Yeah, add even more years. It's not going to make a difference. But, you know, they had a previous discussion of, like, you know, you're a very strong woman, and part of me really wants to see you get the revenge you deserve against your brother. But you're also, unlike any other strong woman that I've met, where you have a very soft heart, Mm -hmm. and I don't want you to sacrifice that in the pursuit of revenge. And that is something that, you know, she's going to have to contend with later on in the season. Of like how far are you willing to go to get what you want and at what cost so uh, it kind of sets up things nicely for her but mm-hmm. also like hot detective guys so excited so excited I enjoy their relationship moving it makes on. me very giddy anyway moving hot on <laughs> can anyone really move on uh-huh. from hot detective Camden well son can't how dare you um. anyway <laughs> uh, who else we got well Will and Riley are the only ones left and I cannot think of what they're doing well it starts out the the episode picks back up immediately from where the last one left off where the um you know crumbs has been killed yeah in the museum and they have to make their escape and uh so they're fleeing the museum riley gets uh son intercuts with will to take out some uh 
some security guards at the museum. Uh, Leto intercuts <laughs> for Riley to do his most dramatic performance ever, <laughs> distracting the guards so like Will has enough time to make his exit. And it's really funny to see him intercut with Riley because they don't really switch out that much. Mm-hmm. But it is always really entertaining to see like Leto fill in for someone. Like he's very good at like uh, Miguel's very good at mimicking like Leto playing Wolfgang playing Leto, yeah. and the way that he's also like Leto playing Riley playing Leto. It's really fun. Uh, it, it, the distraction works, by the way. The dramatic mm-hmm. screaming works very well. Uh, so Riley and Will kind of escape, and they're like, we need to lie low. Um, they all freak out about the blockers, and they're like, was this a trap? Did he, like... They're like, I don't know. I don't think so, because... Uh, I mean, the they police... Him. The police thing was a trap, because the police call came in well before the woman actually, you know, whispers took over and, and stabbed, stabbed, stabbed up in there. Um... So they're like, well, if that is true, we just lost one of our allies. But then Nomi brings up the point of like, because they're all kind of in a reactionary mm-hmm. mode after this. So they're all intercutting. So Nomi's like, well, if he was our ally, that means there's probably more in BPO. And they're like, okay, well, can we trust these blockers that he gave us? And so they're like, Riley's like, well, I know someone who we can probably get these blockers analyzed that mm-hmm. we can trust. And so um, Will and Riley, it's mainly Riley, they managed to escape the museum. She goes and meets up with Vincent, who's the guy that has been supplying them with the drugs for Will this whole time in Amsterdam. And uh, she's passed along the blockers to him and his, like, chemist bio genius, Puck. Yes. Puck is there. Who we've seen before. Oh, yes. He's a Wachowski favorite. (laughs) He has been. He's Sparky. and uh, Speed Racer. Speed Racer. And then he is, um, he's Jupiter's cousin. And Jupiter Ascending. Mm-hmm. He's great. I love him in this one, too. I'm glad they brought him back. Um, but yeah, he is talking to Riley about the jugs, and uh, Kala is kind of intercutting with Riley, asking questions about it. And he's like, how the hell does a DJ know all of this medical information? And and uh, she asks him to like give her a blood sample, and he kind of quotes a, a, a Leto movie line. And Lito's like, oh, I really like this guy. And he's like, oh, it's really cheesy. And he's like, I hate him now. It's, it's well, he doesn't say it's cheesy. Yeah. The, uh, the, the other guy. Vincent says it's yeah. cheesy. Puck likes it, though. Because Lito is like, you know, I think they're all feeling Will's feelings. Yeah. They're, they're like, like little who's jealous this? of Do this guy. Do you know guy. this guy? And Kyle's like, I don't trust yeah, him. Except Lito, who's like, I think he's sexy. Yeah, so. he's like, I think he's good. But as soon as he says his movies are cheesy. He's like, he turns on him. He's like, you're right, Kala. I hate him. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> It's really funny. Um, yeah, so it's it's like a, a fun little interaction where um, they are kind of helping each other out, obviously, because Gall is asking all the important questions about the blocker um, pills. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, other people are chiming in, and it's kind of like a lighter scene of Sensate's interacting because yeah. they're like, what do we think of this guy? Let's be really judgy and gossipy and jealous. Sensate group meeting. Yeah. So it's, um, it's a fun. And it spoilers, is a, everybody. Yeah. Puck is a Sensate. He is. Which I think will be revealed next episode. Yeah. So it's kind of fun to watch knowing that because he just obviously already knows what bloggers are. Yeah. But he says, you know, like, oh. Can I ask how you got this? Yeah, where where did this come from? Yeah, I think he's trying to figure out if they're working for BPO or not. But um, it's also a nice setup uh, and a good character beat for Riley because Riley is the kind of this person where 
she's always kind of one step ahead when they're in a situation. She's always got Will's back, but she's like, I've got the next safe house ready. I have this contact. I have this contact. Mm -hmm. And that's something that kind of pops up throughout while they're on the run. Like, if you're going to go on the run, like, go on the run with Riley. Because once she has her. Yeah, she knows a lot of people and she's got a lot of contacts. Yes. And they mention. Yeah. uh, That. They wanted uh, to do they're a like, oh, she should do a show. That must be why she's here. And she's like, well, that's not while I'm here. But yeah. um, Thanks. I don't think I can do that. And they say, like, well, you know, if you wanted to, because I heard that maybe you're trying to lie low, like, we can use our contacts to get out the news there's a show, like, right before it happens. Yeah. That way no one has any time to you know, come for you, basically. Yeah. And that's just mentioned. But yeah, casually. Yes. It's set up for another one. So, yeah. Um... I feel... Is that it? I feel like... Are we missing anything? I don't think that is it. Boom. Yes. Go us. All right. Let's this is do another it. episode, you know, where stuff progresses. Yes. It hasn't really come to a peak or anything. If the next episode is the one I think it is, That's it'll reach more of a... Peak. Bit of a moment. Yeah. yeah. But, uh... Oh, there is one more important thing. We forgot because it doesn't involve any of them directly. What? It's the very end of the episode. Mm. It's Jonas. <gasps> oh, fuck. Yes. yes. Sorry. Uh, yeah. So, um, Will and Nomi are having the same, they think it's a, they're sharing a dream, but they're like, wait, no, this is a memory of Angelica. Mm-hmm. And it's intercutting fight between like Angelica, Raul and Jonas. Raul is fleeing uh, to Chicago. Angelica is going after him and is like, man up, Jonas. It's <laughs> scary. Cause I've never seen her that. Yeah. Uh, steel. Steely. Yeah. Steely. That's good. And, um, and so uh, it's intercut with that with some sort of medical stuff and you're like what is happening and then all of them are like oh shit that Jonas they're like they're gonna lobotomize you they're gonna cut your brain open and he's like I'm so sorry guys I've ran out of time <laughs> this is not good and they're like there's gotta be something we can do he's like there's nothing you guys can do like I didn't even know about this until like right now and they knock him out and they start using that saw on his forehead and that's how the episode ends and you know we'll have to get into that Yes. Later. Yes, we will. Um, because I can't remember all the details either. Stressful. But um, for now, mm. not looking good for Jonas. No, not at all. He's gone. That's that's the indication. Yes. So, uh, yeah. Man, I feel embarrassed we forgot about that. No, no. Well, I didn't forget. Well, I feel embarrassed. <laughs> I forgot about that. I'll own it. Um, yeah, so MVP? MVPs. Well, what do you think? Gave it to Sun last time. No. <laughs> The sun is active again this time. It, you know, it's like... It's true. Um, I would like to give this one to Copyus. It's a good one. I think he it is well-earned. Um, I think it's nice because, kind of similar to Leto, he gets a little bit more responsibility this season to help kind of... Mm-hmm. He's not technically pushing the BPO plot forward in the way that Leto is, but he is getting, um, I think arguably a little bit more of an interesting storyline this season because it is less action-based it's more political so it's more it's less like reactionary for him he has more time to make decisions in this season and i think they're they're kind of setting that that up nicely to kind of nudge him in that direction of like hey you are like an inherently good and idealistic person maybe and you're natural at, at speaking from the heart maybe you can apply that on a bigger scale Mm -hmm. um so I really like his interview. I think it's a it's a job well done. And I think it's another good case. I know we said we weren't going to talk about this a lot uh, once we addressed the recast, but I think 
he just he feels like Coffeeus in that interview, yeah. you know, someone who is uh, straightforward and humble about what he does, but and, and out of it place has a big impact in yeah. this environment. Too. Yes, yeah. So I would give it to him for sure. Since you did Coffeeus, mm. I will give it to Leto, just because it's <sighs> very cool to see him in such a different environment. Mm-hmm. And aside from the one other episode that I believe touches on this. It's really the only instance of Leto not being mostly about his own story. Yeah. Uh, and it's just it's just cool. It's so interesting to see Leto in scenes where you're actively thinking, um, like, oh, I'm going to find out more about the plot here. Mm-hmm. That's, that's not really what you expect in Leto scenes. No. You expect him to be funnier and charming and yeah. all that. And I, I really like how he plays it when he's younger mm-hmm. um, because he feels so... He feels so unconfident, and it's just so on Leto. Of course, I know. Leto is very uh, insecure about a lot of things and worries about a lot of stuff, but he also always has this... Charm. This Charisma. aura, yeah. yeah. Uh, and it's just not there at all yeah. <laughs> in this scene. You know, Ra- Ra- Raul has it, if anyone. Like, yeah. he's, he's in charge. Leto feels young. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and speaking of which, sidekicks, who, who do you choose? Uh, I really like Bug's reaction, but I choose Bug all the time. <laughs> and he doesn't quite do that much in this well, episode. Well, we have Jella repeating the same joke again. Yeah. When, uh, I Sikia. forgot her name, yes, <laughs> interviewer comes back and, uh, she, uh, he's wants like, to see coffee us and he's like, you really want to see me, right? Yeah. It's um, pretty great. I'm trying to, th- I, oh, I, <laughs> what? I want to give it to Ming Jun again, <laughs> but I can't because I gave it to her last time. You can do anything you want. I know. Um, hmm. I don't know, man. This one's tricky. Give it to Amanita for going, like, driving away, successfully evading Agent Bendix. That's a good one. Yeah. 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 Amanita's pretty good. I'll take Amanita too. I don't know. I think I think I'm gonna give it to Ming Jun though because she has a really good heart to heart with that's true. Sun and I don't think you're gonna see her again. She's she's earned it. I don't know. This one's tricky. They're all good, but I think yeah. she has the more she has the most screen time too. So. Amanita is a fine choice. Amanita is always having a good that choice. chase scene. Yeah. Um, and for one-off characters, I'm going to go with Raul's dad. Oh, I know. Um, I like Raul too, and there's a few more scenes with him later. I think. Yes. Uh, they give you quite a lot of these, you know, here's the cluster that you don't know much about. Here, yeah. Here's eight characters, theoretically. Not like you get to know all of them. Yeah. Um, but this is a lot of new information to take in and everything. And in general, some of the sensate, like, dreamy backstory stuff, mm-hmm. I find it interesting. Mm-hmm. I don't usually find it, I don't know, emotionally compelling. Yeah. But for some reason, I think the actor that plays Zarwul, uh is different and, like, in that bit where he... um is calling his dad that shot they always show yeah he just looks so sad yeah and it really does work and it's in really particular this episode like all that stuff you get with his dad his dad is just great you really get that sense of like journalist family you know yeah like i've Integrity, met people like that yeah. you know like yeah. it. and um he's just great and i don't think he's in any others I don't so, think so you know yeah um, he's a good one. I'll I'll go with him as well. He's also one of like, they're all great actors, but like he is one of the few like one-off characters that gets a really meaty scene. Yeah, that's true. And it, it impacts people in a different way. No offense to the 
convenience clerk in season one. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, I, I would give it to him because he just kind of breaks your heart and uh, you feel comfortable with him. Mm-hmm. And you understand exactly where he's coming from in just a handful of scenes, and it's pretty impressive. Um, plus, I can't give it to Hot Detective yet because. No, you know, he'll have his time. He'll have his day. So, yeah, I would do that. Favorite scene? My favorite scene. I don't know. I like that scene. Mm. Uh, like, I don't know. It's not one scene. Mm. The scenes with Leto, I think, are very good. Um, in particular, I guess, when he first gets there and talks to the dad, it's just a charming scene. Mm-hmm. It's hard to say, though. I like the... I know it's very sense-y, because I know you mentioned the, the montage thing, but mm-hmm. I really like the sequence of Sun on the roof for the first time after she's broken out of prison. Yeah. The song Good For Me, and it's overlaid between, like, her, Kala, and Wolfgang. And it's just kind of like... I don't know, it's really a nice moment of her and them trying to reconnect. Yeah, well, it's nice to have these scenes. Like, that's not a... It's sort of a sensei moment. Yeah. But it's not like a big, exciting moment. It's not essential. It's just like... It arguably might not be essential to the plot, but I think it's a good... Yeah. It's just a nice breather, and it's a really pretty song. When when a character is feeling a certain way, they want you to to show it affect everyone, even Mm -hmm. if it's not the biggest deal. So it's just nice to have this, like, she's been in prison, now she's not... We yeah. all get to luxuriate in it yeah. a little bit. It is kind of funny because uh, when they're escaping the museum and she like kicks some butt, it's almost like it throws you a little bit because I'm like, you're not in your prison uniform anymore. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like usually when you pop up, you're in the blue and now you're not. So um, changes ahead for Sun for sure. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Good that's stuff. it. Well done us. Woo. Well done. All right. We should probably sign off. This has been Vicky. This is Camden. And we'll be talking to you guys later. Bye. It's been a while. (laughs) If you guys liked our show, please let us know. You can rate and review us on Apple Podcast. And also feel free to contact us on our main website. That one is grumpyoctopusproductions.com. Then I'll link you up to all of our social media. You can follow us on Twitter and or like us on Facebook. And you can reach out to us at our email account. That is grumpyoctopusproductions at gmail.com. I think we're sensing a bit of a trend here. (laughs) Um, Also on the website, you guys can check out all of our episode and production notes and fun little extras as well. So, as always, thanks for listening, loyal listeners. Alrighty, signing off.